it's cool because you know an idea will spark from somewhere but it then becomes a collaborative idea from that point on All right, so we are in Gilbert at Arizona Wilderness Brewing, hanging out with three awesome people who are going to introduce themselves right now. Yeah, I'm Eric Schultz. Uh, I'm the farmer owner of Steadfast Farm. Now I'm Chase Sariva, the head brewer here at Arizona Wilderness. My name is Allie Dobson, and I'm one of the restaurant managers here at Arizona Wilderness. Awesome. And I have my guest host here, Aaron Marcus yep. from 8AM Films. That's me. Who's also doing video. Mm-hmm as well you've co-hosted with me before right drunkenly yes that's <laughs> yes. very <laughs> yeah you were but you know what it was a good time it's it it's kind time. of a um i guess it's a, a risk of this job right yeah yeah you know, <laughs> yes well guys thanks for joining this is awesome yeah of course it's yeah. good to be here yeah we've thanks been wanting to come to arizona wilderness for for quite a while um but uh food and beer are two things we really love and you guys do both of them really well so and it starts with food eric you Make food, grow food. We grow food. food. Yeah, yeah, we grow mixed vegetables and fruit. Yeah, yeah. Where, where are you guys located? Right now, our location, our main location, is in Queen Creek, Arizona. Okay. So about uh, thirty minutes from here, um, in, in farm country, and uh, we we farm in a really small piece of land. So we focus on what we call biointensive farming. So it's trying to grow as much uh, food in a small space or per square foot as we can, and uh, while at the same time doing it sustainably and with kind of the soil health in mind so yeah now, how did you get started like have you always been into farming did you grow up no my background's in landscape design and uh had worked on some projects in kind of farming communities and kind of just made this strange uh transition into it it was initially going to be just kind of a a temporary thing i thought i would do it for a few years and help kind of turn around a project that was struggling and uh, here I am seven years later. So yeah. Yeah. Do you, you like, like it? Yeah, <laughs> I do. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a definitely a challenging job. Um, doesn't pay the best, but, uh, it's, it's something, you know, growing food. I mean, everybody eats. And so to be able to grow the, the best quality food for people to consume is, is a pretty important job. And, uh, every day has a different set of challenges. So it's, it's fun to come to work and figure out something new every day so yeah yeah what, what all do you guys have is it, is it all produce like do you do anything else chickens like things like that sure I mean over the years we've done a little bit of everything we've grown or we've grown on as many as 21 acres where we were doing heirloom grains uh, a lot of which ended up here um, but we've raised pigs sheep uh, chickens for eggs and meat ducks for eggs and meat turkeys for meat we've kept bees uh, done orchards for citrus, peaches, apples, medjool dates, olives, uh, on and on and on. So we've done a ton of stuff. Right now we're focusing on mixed vegetables. So that's just uh, a random selection of things that we do really well vegetable wise. And then we raise pastured chickens for eggs. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Very nice. And, and so how did you guys get connected? Like how did Wilderness and, and Steadfast get connected? Yeah. I mean, Eric, you might be able to speak a little bit more on this because of your relationship with John and Pat. Um, I kind of walked into this relationship, which has been really nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I didn't have to do any of the legwork to foster it and nurture it and bring it into existence. 
Um, so you could probably yeah. talk on. Um, <laughs> gosh, it, it's hard to remember exactly how it happened, but um, I was farming in Gilbert at the time and they were just getting going. And uh, I think from the beginning, they had a desire to have a, a strong connection to local agriculture. And so, you know, conversations turned into, um, you know, just starting to grow things for, for the beer. And uh, at the time it was, the whole brewery was in this room basically, uh, which was uh, very different than, you know, so to see the growth over, over time. And so, so that wasn't over there. That wasn't like over this, there. Uh, no, yeah. Was just those, those tanks. Oh, was, that, was that was it. it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. There was one other tank over here, but yeah, this was basically just the brewery. That side was a Brugger's Bagels. Yeah. yeah. yeah oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So that existed. It just wasn't part of wilderness. Right. right. Uh, it was a split business yeah. building. Yeah. So John and, and Pat were always in here, you know, Patrick was always brewing and all that kind of stuff. And so it's just very different. Um, they've grown incredibly. Um, but uh, because of our scale, we're able to do uh, all sorts of kind of random experiments with, with different ingredients for the beer. You know, we're now, um, you know, like the, the watermelon Gosa, where we were the first to grow those watermelons, but now they need so, they're, they're brewing so much of that beer that like we couldn't possibly, so then it's brought in other farms into the conversation. So it's really cool to see that progression. So Yeah, Eric's definitely a go-to guy for us um, when we're looking for produce or any type of ingredient that can be grown in Arizona. I feel like Eric's kind of like our go-to source. Um, we can see if we can make that happen between us. And, you know, if, if things grow past that, such as the watermelon Goza, uh, you know, we'll find ways to make it happen. Yeah, that took directions. off, right? That, get, yeah, that watermelon I mean, Goza. We'll get... 10,000 pounds of watermelons in. Wow. What is that, like 15 watermelons? <laughs> yeah, just about, um, you know, sometimes 16 or 17. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, so is it a, so you guys come up with the ideas, right? You come up with some ideas. Do you, do you sometimes base it on what he's growing or like what's? Yeah, I mean, yeah. so absolutely. I remember, just remember an example from last year and um, I believe you had some extra grapefruit at some point towards the end of last year. Yeah. And, you know, we had already kind of done our Grapefruit Goza run. Um, but you said, hey, I've got 500 pounds, 600,000 pounds of grapefruit, something along those lines. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds weird when we talk about it, like, in this setting. But when we're back there, like, 1,000 pounds of grapefruit is very realistic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so they said, hey, we've got this grapefruit. Can you take it? Do you need it? Um, we're like, oh, sure. Why not? We'll take some. And yeah. then we made a grapefruit refuge. Yeah. Oh, wow. So there's just, I don't know, an immediate example that popped into my head of. Yeah, I think another one was uh, melons. You were doing a melon right. beer. Yeah. And, and we had some melons, but it's like we also have these really sweet melon-like cucumbers. Why mm-hmm. don't we try something like that? And that turned into a, a tasty beer as yeah. well. Do you guys remember Melon Camp? Yes. The yeah. Yes, I do. LIC collaboration yeah. beer. So we actually used bunch of I think three different melons and um, the Armenian cucumbers mm-hmm. and uh, went into that beer with those and yeah it kind of made this really nice light refreshing um, kind of mixed culture table beer out of it that's yeah. been incredible we actually just got written up I don't know if you see if you saw that article I I can't remember craft beer one of the beer magazines or beer websites just wrote up a, a really nice review on that beer comparing it to just 
you know, uh, world-class uh, Belgian farmhouse, like, table beers. Wow. So, nice. And it's all thanks to this guy. This guy over here, yeah. right? <laughs> the small part to play. <laughs> but uh, the biggest part at that's the same time. Right, right. Uh, and the name, too, Mellencamp. I mean, that's that's a great Yep. Name too. My, mm-hmm. my mom liked that beer. She uh, she works like right around the corner from here. And she did something that was so unchar- uncharacteristic of her. Cause she's not a huge craft drinker. I'm, I'm converting her. She's on it. It now. takes time. It does. <laughs> yeah. but, I got uh, my mom started with the uh, Southern Tier Chocolate. Nice. So it's like the super sweet dessert-like beer. But that opened up the door. Yeah. And now IPAs are starting to become a thing. I think you still had the Melon Camp at the four, I believe it was the four-year anniversary. Yeah, probably. Um, I came, I came here for that, and uh, she joined me, and then she ended up loving that beer, and then she came back on her own, which was crazy to me. I was like, awesome. you went to Wilderness <laughs> on your own?" Mm-hmm. And uh, it's one thing that's cool, you know, using a bunch of different ingredients that are grown in Arizona from Eric or other farms. Uh, we are able to create a very diverse tap list, so we can we're able to appeal to almost any. Um, drinker of any kind you know someone that likes wine will probably have something on tap for those individuals someone that likes cider someone that likes drier beers sweeter beers hoppy beers uh, maltier beers so it is cool and we can implement a lot of other flavors with ingredients like cucumbers or melons or citrus or what you know anything that he grows spinach you know (laughs) spinach like you yeah we did a beer with spinach really yeah that's interesting what was it it was uh, a saison. So the whole goal, it was last year around St. Patrick's Day, so just about a year ago. And, you know, we played around with the idea of making a beer with spinach and, okay, what better day of the year to release this than St. Patrick's Day? You know, we're thinking, like, okay, it's going to make it green. It's going to be really cool. Um, so I think we got 100 pounds yeah. of spinach. Which is a lot of spinach. That's, That's a, a lot, lot of spinach. Of spinach. <laughs> right. uh, it's so, like a train. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's yeah, it was fun, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, so we juiced it all in house, added it to the beer, put a little bit of lemon juice in there to brighten it up, so you kind of have you know a little bit of that earthy, uh, vegetal nature with a bright lemon, and then you know mix it all with a saison base. So you have the spice and yeast, the, f- the spice and fruit components from yeast, and uh, so we added the spinach to the fermenter, and it was beautiful, green, absolutely incredible. We're like we nailed it. This is perfect. Came back the next day. It was pale. Uh, <laughs> Where'd all the color go? <laughs> oh my. So we kind of resuspended it, um, transferred it into the serving tank, and it was green for about a day. And then all that spinach kind of fell out, at least the coloring portion of it. Yeah. Uh, but some of that, some of the flavors stayed in the beer. And actually, it was a really pleasant, pleasant beer. Um, against a lot of people's thoughts when they read just the description of spinach yeah. with lemon. Um, yeah. It's rare to have vegetables in, in beer, right? You don't see it well, a whole lot, you know, right? Yeah. It feels like it is. Yeah, not right. here, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we tried it. I mean, we've used sweet potatoes, butternut squash, yeah. um, beets, spinach. Carrots. Carrots, carrots yeah, carrots. carrots We've done carrots more. recently. I had the butter. You just yeah, had the peppers. butternut squash IPA or something, right? It was, it was Saison. Or Saison. Oh, that Saison. was really good. I was in last week when I tried that orange. Uh, what is What was that orange one called again? The March for Orange. March for Orange. That was so good. Right. We were talking before. Yeah. Because um, normally with the, um, and they were, those were from your farm? 
the, the oranges. oranges. Not, not, not that yeah. much, no. No, the, oh, gotcha. those oranges were from um, a different citrus provider in the valley. Uh, but, you know, it, it's weird. So we'll get citrus from three or four different farms, and it becomes, like, at this point, we're pretty much done with citrus buying. Okay. But, like, looking back, it's like, where did that come from? Where did this come from? Where did that? But, yeah, um, so this year we got some blood oranges. We have some grapefruit from you. Um, Tangelos. Tangelos, some lemons. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. last two weeks ago, whenever I was here last with John, um, you had at least five steadfast. Uh, yeah, beers. absolutely. Like all five, at least five of the beers had steadfast ingredients. Mm-hmm. So that was really cool. Yeah, yeah. That's I just remember cool. being like, "Whoa, there is a lot of going, a lot going on in this menu right now." Yeah, <laughs> and it, especially when we hit citrus season, because just it's right now. It's and there's so many different varieties of citrus that we can get. It's it becomes a very uh, agricultural focused beer list yeah well not only the beer but the food too right Allie? like that's like the food is like you guys make world-class beer but then you come here and eat the food because i usually just go over into the tap room and every once in a while come over for lunch i'm like holy shit what was i waiting for like why (laughs) you know um but the food is fantastic so you guys use a lot of the the stuff too right yeah Yeah. so um one of the main things that we always use is going to be the red leaf lettuce for our burgers um and then we started incorporating again our burger monday which is a burger special and since we've been doing that um each monday has had a produce from steadfast um our beer dinner we've done um three dishes out of the six course meal had um steadfast the shishito peppers um i believe we did spinach and spaghetti squash yeah um so it's really cool and i believe like allowing our like chefs and our cooks to be able to work with these kind of products kind of like you can see how much it makes them excited to like try new things out um test with the food obviously not every time it comes out perfect but i mean it makes such a difference when you're tasting something that was just literally dropped off on wednesday and then you're eating it the next day so um i've seen that's why i'm so big a huge supporter of it um I just think it makes the food quality that much better. Um, I think that's what really puts like our name on the list with the food and beer. Because people come in and they're like, "Oh, you know, your food is actually really good." They're like, "I thought it was just gonna be like bar food." Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. "No, yeah, uh, you should you should eat it more." <laughs> right. Sometimes breweries, I mean, they're sometimes one sided. They either have really good beer and not so great food, or they have really good food and not so great beer. When you're a brew pub, um, so I think we've we've hit both pretty well which yeah, is sure. a cool environment to work in and it's a, it's a a lot more fun i think you know um all-encompassing it, yeah. it seems like a really free-thinking environment like john and pat have created this environment and um when we did a story with uh, an episode with sonagua malt up in uh, verity valley and that's what chip said chip was like he i was like he was like those guys are just on another level i said they you know they think outside the box and he looks at me he's like they, don't, they live outside the box. Like they don't even <laughs> like the box doesn't even <laughs> exist for those guys. But I feel like that that mentality and that culture kind of encompasses the whole place. Yeah, yeah like definitely. with the food, like you guys give the chefs the freedom. Like here's some ingredients, make something awesome. Yeah, and you're gonna get more. Um, I don't want to say buy-in, but more contribution from them because they feel like okay, I've got a say in this rather than just here's a menu, make what I tell you to make. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you. I've noticed a lot since you know. Um, the more and more local products we use, the better the food has gotten. The more excited they are back there to try to test things out. 
Um, like I said before, things work, things don't work, but that's like the beauty and the nature of it. And it's awesome to be part of a company that lets you do those types of things. Um, I'm sure Chase can say as well, like yeah. if the beer things work, things don't work. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and another thing is, you know, it builds community. Not only you're allowing your employees to be creative and have a real impact on your business, um, but also, you know, fostering these relationships with people like Eric and other local producers. Um, there's, you know, we have a relationship. I know Eric on a first name basis. You know, we talk all the time. He's a local producer. He supports us. We support him. Um, and that kind of in turn just snowballs into a, a lot bigger picture when you think about it. Um, it, it. You know, I'm not buying carrots from, I don't even know, a carrot maker. <laughs> <laughs> that I don't know. Carrot Co. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> carrot Co. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> the worst. They're the worst. Uh, but yeah, it's just like it, it, from the from the ground up kind of makes yeah. a difference and creates an impact. Yeah, I think, I mean, for us as a farm, when we started, uh, we tried to build all of these, uh, everything's been built on relationship, right, first and foremost. And, um, and that's been super important because one, it's more meaningful, um, and two, uh, this is a difficult thing for like Chase and you know the kitchen staff to have to like deal with small farms because we can be inconsistent and we're not this giant uh, farm that has 100,000 pounds of sweet potatoes and we can grade them and give them the exact same thing each time you know like that it's like we grow x amount of sweet potatoes and some are this size and some are that size and so that requires more of a commitment more work and so um, and we'll if, even take the sweet potatoes that don't look good right yeah. so you know obviously there are restaurants that want a nice looking sweet potato to serve to a guest because that's a part of that yeah you know appeal and um experience but you know we're just gonna mash them up put them into a beer and like, <laughs> yeah. yeah give us all the weird ones <laughs> exactly <laughs> so but yeah the relationship is just like so important right in that and because it can be more work it can be um more expensive at times even and so there's a huge commitment from arizona wilderness to say like it doesn't matter it's worth it and so that's really important for like the small you know purveyors yeah i'd say it's paid dividends yeah yeah well that's what the craft beer community is about too right i mean i think it's it's um it's more than just uh we we talk all the time about with it's it's more than the beer right almost sometimes the beer is secondary right i mean it's always primary because that's what we love right <laughs> but but it's come secondary to that that community that those relationships i love the people in the craft beer community and everybody that's connected the farmers chip at sanagua malta everybody that's involved with it um it's just it's it's amazing and everybody supports everybody else you yeah know? it's a fun industry to be in currently yeah it's been a pretty crazy uh, decade for craft beer. Um, right. I haven't been in the industry for an entire decade yet, but uh, it's been pretty nuts to see what has happened for the past four years even. Yeah, especially here in Arizona, right? Yeah. yeah. How did you get into brewing? Like, how, how did that happen? Um, so college, went to school, Western Pennsylvania, and... Uh, was getting ready to graduate with I had you know hopes and dreams to be a dentist and stare at people's teeth for the rest of my life, <laughs> uh, which at the time was kind of sounded appealing I guess. But um, got to my senior year, was applying for dental schools and studying for the DAT, all this stuff, and kind of just took a step back before I jumped into this 
whole other realm of financial and educational responsibility. And I uh, realized I didn't want to do that at all. Yeah. <laughs> <Wow>. so, <laughs> um, but yeah, so in college, there was this local six pack shop down the road and uh, I was on the swim team in college. So, you know, during season, it's not like we were huge party animals. We'd kind of just go to the six pack shop, pick a bunch of random beers, make a mix and match six pack, uh, go back, you know, have a beer or two before bed. So, um, yeah, just kind of got my mind going, kind of thinking about craft beer. And when I took that step back and realized I didn't want to pursue dentistry, um, I realized that I was really into craft beer and started going down that path and, you know, worked as a bartender and server in a, a really nice Belgian beer bar in Pittsburgh and then ended up managing a craft beer beverage program at a restaurant um, nearby, uh, all with kind of inspiration to you know, hopes and dreams to get into the production side of the brewing industry. And then finally got my break and uh, started part time at a brewery called East End Brewing Company. Um, in Pittsburgh? In Pittsburgh, PA. Okay. Yeah, exactly. That in, craft, in that the craft. East End, Pittsburgh. The East End. <laughs> well, I grew up about an hour outside of Pittsburgh. Okay, um, awesome. On, on the Ohio border. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom is from Irwin, so. I love Pittsburgh. Yeah. So yeah. I went to Westminster College in New Wilmington. Oh, yeah, in Westminster. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Really, really tiny school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> dry campus. It was, yes, it is a dry campus. Yeah, yes. dry town. Yeah. Actually. Pennsylvania is kind of strange in the way with their laws, right? Because like, you can't go, like, you have to go to actual liquor stores to buy. Like, they don't sell it like groceries or stores. Yeah, or I like think that. it might be changing a little bit. Okay. Um, yeah. But when I was there and kind of before things started to change a touch, um, beer could be sold at a six-pack shop, or you could go to a distributor and buy cases. Yes. You couldn't buy broken, you know, cases. You had to buy a full case of beer. Um, and then the liquor or wine is governmental, or it's uh, regulated by the government there. Um, so you have to go to a government shop. It was called Wine and Spirits. Yeah. And you could buy liquor or wine there. Yeah. It was a very, it's convoluted. and very different. Yeah, just in general. Yeah, right. right. Alcohol laws in the states are kind of crazy. So um, Pittsburgh's uh, craft beer scene is kind of exploding. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like uh, really fun hop cultures. Um, They're from. They're based out of Pittsburgh. I think they're out of New York now, but they're putting on the juicy brews down in Tucson this weekend. Exactly. Yeah, and there's uh, the brew gentleman in Pittsburgh are making some really nice beers. Obviously, East End. Uh, then there's Dry Log, which is doing some really fun, creative, and progressive projects. Um, yeah, it, it's just a, a really cool, it was a cool environment when I was there, and I'm always excited to go back and see how it's developed. Yeah. Pittsburgh's a great city. It's You got the comparison of Pittsburgh and Cleveland, right, where Pittsburgh kind of, it's that art city, sports teams are very successful. Yeah, it's become very focused on sustainability and yeah. becoming a green city, which is, yeah, yeah it's like yeah. a... a total different uh, flip from the industrialized uh, city it once was. Where it came from, yeah. And coming from Ohio, it's very interesting is you go through a tunnel, right? So you're in kind of like suburb area. You can't see the city at all. You go through this tunnel that's like two miles long. And as soon as you come out the other side, it's the whole city. So you go from basically Mm -hmm. like kind of suburb, rural, through a tunnel, and then it's like, 
Holy shit, boom. Yep. It's right there. Yeah, the rivers and all the bridges. It's it's a pretty awesome city. Yeah. yeah. Only Just, thing I know about Pittsburgh is that it's like the town of bridges. It has the most bridges in any city in, Ari- in America or something. In Arizona. Like in Arizona. <laughs> in Arizona. <laughs> wow. No way. Yeah. That's Pittsburgh, amazing. Arizona, I never knew that. Yeah. <laughs> it, there are. There are a lot of bridges. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like 1,200 or something. Wow. Uh, yeah, I think uh, they just added another twelve hundred. So, <laughs> what? yeah, right, probably. I know the rule always was: if you're driving in Pittsburgh and you see where you want to go, go the opposite way. Because yeah. if you what? go towards it, you're not going to make it there. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah, like <laughs> Is that on a timer? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's, I think that's a. Wow. I think that's a transition to be able to uh, get a beer. Yeah, let's get yeah. a beer. I like it. <laughs> Pause. <laughs> So we're, we just poured a beer. Uh, this is from my buddy Chris Harder from Innocence Beer Company. It's called Gallery Show. Um, Belgian like Strong Golden mm-hmm. Ale. Gallery Show? Yeah, I know. sounds pretty cool. It's really good though, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Chase tasted it, and he knew from the taste that it was 8.7 ABV. <laughs> On the dot. On the dot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He asked me that. He's like, what's ABV? Uh, or someone asked it, and he's like, 8.7. I'm like, dude, you knew that? He's like, no, I saw the bottle. Uh, but this is really good, right? Guess yeah, I like yeah. it. Yeah, really, really nice. Drink this. Well made. Gold it's bottle, bottle number one, too, according to the label. So, Chris, thanks for the hookup on the very first bottle Agreed. of this. Chase is examining it right now. He's got his um, scope out. Binoculars What's that thing called? Are on. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, but no, this is great. They make some really good stuff. Um, we did the, what was the one we had? Mud Honey? Yeah, Mud Honey. And then they, um, I got to drink the Mud Honey with Cherry, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it was barrel aged in yeah. Whiskey Del Bach or something yep. like that. Yeah. Um, so, guys, thanks so much for the beer. Appreciate Speaking it. of cherries, Eric, can you grow some cherries? Uh, no, I can't, but <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd try. Not here. No? <laughs> Is it tough? We were talking about that uh, off, off the recording about cherries. You want the elusive cherry. Yeah, right? the elusive Arizona cherry. Yes. It exists somewhere, but never actually exists. <laughs> I think if anybody's going to find them in the wild, it's going to be John and Pat. Yeah. Right? Have they, is that like on their, their checklist? Yeah, it better be. I've yeah. been bugging them about cherries for the past <laughs> two years. So, well, how did that transition happen? So, you everything started in Pittsburgh, um, mm-hmm. Western Pennsylvania area. Um, how did you get out to Arizona? Uh, you know, I lived in Pittsburgh for a lot of years. and Well, Pennsylvania. And um, wanted a change. So, a buddy and I actually took a vacation out to the west coast just did some road tripping and uh, ran into the owner of santan and uh, about 10 months after the road trip and the little vacation happened i got a call from him and he offered me a job in phoenix and it was right when when the polar vortexes were starting to happen on the east coast so you know wind chills negative 20 negative 30 for weeks on end I was like, get me out of here (laughs) immediately. (laughs) So uh, I moved to Arizona, uh, worked at Santan for, I guess, about two and a half years. And then um, talked to Pat and John and made the jump up, what, two miles north (laughs) from Santan. Oh, that's only, that's, it's right down there. Yeah, it's right downtown Chandler. Wow. So, yeah, and then uh, started brewing here, be close to two years ago. Nice. Now, so was it, uh, was John, John and Pat were the brewers before you came on? Like they handled all of those duties? So John and Pat started out as the main people brewing the beer. Really, Pat was kind of took on the, the reins, I guess you could say, of like the brewing side where yeah. John was kind of, uh, I guess, more like restaurant and operational at the beginning. 
little of everything. Yeah, I think, kind yeah, of like it, I think. I mean, as a small business owner at that point, it was like yeah, you're involved in everything and all. They're aspects. always here. Yeah. They're always had their hands in everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it just got to the point where it was growing so much. This expansion over here happened. They needed to take a step into more of an ownership and kind of company direction position, uh, and trust someone else with the brewing side of the operation. So okay, yeah. And you came in. Did you did you come in like like saying, hey, you guys looking to hire, or did you guys just actually no? It was it was kind of just a a circumstance that where it was I was actually looking to open up a brewery in Arizona. So I was kind of doing some research and um, looking at spots and had checked out a spot that I think Pat and John had looked at, uh, but had turned down. And I just kind of called them up to see if my thoughts of not wanting to go there were around the same as theirs. And, you know, met for a beer, talked about it, and then kind of realized that our philosophies on brewing were pretty in tune and parallel to each other. So they had a position that was opening up and asked if I was interested and took some time to think about it. We talked back and forth a little bit and yeah, and came yeah. over. Nice. So yeah, just kind of a happy circumstance. Has it been challenging to, to, to take what is in their brains and putting it into a glass? <laughs> it can be sometimes, <laughs> right? yeah. but it's good. I mean, that. It's cool because, like we were talking about with the kitchen, the there is creative power everywhere within the business. So, you know, an idea will spark from somewhere, uh, but it then becomes a collaborative um, idea from that point on that people can contribute ideas to or um, change the focus and direction of it slightly. Yeah. And kind of take that from, you know, John and Pat down to anyone in the brewery. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And then um, I think it's great with with the with the the wilderness humans as they're called now, right? The wilderness right, yeah. humans. Yeah. Um, how they're they're going out. Yes. <laughs> I was wondering, like the boys, humans. Okay. Um, they're going out into the wilderness, literally, and, and getting like trying to find these ingredients and things like that. Right. Like go like really getting into as Chip from Snogwell Malt said, getting a real sense of uh, place. Yeah, That's exactly. What they're, they're going for yeah. Piece of Arizona, trying to incorporate that. Yeah. In any way possible. Right. And once again, that's where Eric comes in too, you know, because I, I would think, I don't know anything about farming at all, um, but what is it like being in Arizona, like this this environment? Sure. Um, I mean, it has its challenges, but we're also really fortunate to have a state that we could grow almost anything uh, and be able to grow 12 months out of the year something. And so... Um, I think there's all these perceptions of you're in the desert and it's always 120 degrees and all this kind of stuff. But I mean, and that is true some of the time. And I think it's, you're either buried in snow for a couple of months or you're like sweating your ass off for a couple of months. And, you know, uh, we don't do as much production in the peak hot season, but we're growing all the time. And, uh, but honestly, like we have like an amazing place to grow incredible fruits, vegetables, grains i mean it's like ideal for so many things it's pretty awesome i really like your spot like where you guys are i thought it was so cool when i get to go there and walk around and stuff and uh you told me a little bit about the beer dinner you did yeah um tell tell, tell us a little bit about that because i know that it was sure. really cool yeah uh i mean we do we work with this organization called outstanding in the field and to give you like a quick summary of who they are 
Jim Denovan, the founder, uh, was a chef. His brother was a farmer and going back a number of years ago, wanted to bring attention to what his brother's doing. And so it started having these dinners and fast forward, it's turned into this uh, tour where they travel uh, the United States by bus, but even all over the world, they do these dinners and they go city by city, pick a farm, pick a chef, pick a local brewery and winery and put on this dinner in the middle of this farmer's field or barn or, you know, whatever. And um, again, bring people to that, bring attention to what everybody's doing and, you know, show that that place and that sense of place and be able to taste. And so we've worked with them for, I think we've done seven or eight dinners now with them. So it's been a blast. And uh, as we've got more under our belt, they're, they're more open to my input. And so now I'm just like, this is who I want to cook. This is who I want to do the beer. And so every year it's Arizona Wilderness because, <laughs> I mean, I don't want to do these dinners with just anybody. I, I want to have that connection, that relationship. Yeah. And like, that's what makes these dinners so special. And so there's no, there's no question. There's no, uh, you know, second, you know, second choice. It's just, it has to be these guys and they're always gracious enough, gracious enough to do it. So yeah, it's a blast. Um, Mike, Mike, I'm kind of curious. Um, how do you get the, um, like, I guess, how do you establish some of your relationships? Like, uh, do you, you do farmer's markets or do you do, I mean, do you go and approach places or like, I guess, how do you like think about relationships and where you go and why? Sure. Um, I mean, at this stage, we're not like looking for a ton of new relationships. Um, I think that can be, I've always been really cautious about not growing past our ability to provide great quality produce and service. And so uh, not because I don't want, I'm like exclusive or, you know, snob, but it's just like, I can't grow vegetables for everybody. I can't grow that. And so we have to kind of cap, cap our dreams is one of my sayings that I'm always telling myself, you know, I listed off all the things we've done. Now we do so much less. That's because in order to have sanity and quality of life, you have to cap your dreams, right? So <laughs> and same thing with our relationships. You know, we do a lot for a small farm. We do four farmers markets a week. We have a CSA, which is like a weekly subscription where we have about a hundred families that we, you know, put these boxes together for. Um, and then we sell to about 25 restaurants, breweries, et cetera, in town, like wholesale wise. But um, everything is relationship, you know, based. The farmers markets, uh, myself and some of my uh, staff, like we're at every farmers market. We don't just send random people to go sell them. You know, we want people to be able to interact with the people growing with the growing the food. The CSA is a very personal thing as well, where we have interaction. And then again, the, the relationships with the restaurants and that, and I do deliveries at least every other week. So this is our delivery day. So this is my off week, but I need to be in front of and seeing Chase and seeing these different chefs and, you know, and so that we continue that relationship and we can talk through um, how things are going, how we can be better and all that kind of stuff. It's so important. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I didn't know about the CA, CSA thing. That's really cool. Yeah, it's, it's, a, great, it's a great tool to make, um, make the community like shareholders in the farm, if you will, because they're paying in advance of the season. So they're giving us capital that we need to buy the seeds and yeah. different things. And then we just have to focus on growing the vegetables. So. That's fantastic. Yeah. It's a great program. 
<laughs> with some awesome products. Both members over here. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to learn how to cook. <laughs> are you are trying yeah. to learn? Well, with those ingredients, it's it, that's a good place to start. Right? Yeah. 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 It is a yeah. great way. You get this box of vegetables. Some of them you've never heard of before. Yeah. And you start, <laughs> oh, what do I do with this? And look it up. Google's great. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's always like seven or eight items. And we always try to push something that maybe is a little bit out of the comfort zone, but not too many things, because then it's like people get freaked out and don't know what to do, but <laughs> there might be a kohlrabi in, in a box and people are this. like, what is this thing, you know? But it, again, it helps stretch you where you probably would pass over that at the farmer's market, you know? So yeah. this gives you like, okay, awesome. I'm committed. What am I going to do with this thing? So, it's, yeah. and then they're like, wow, this is great, you know? Or this is terrible. How is it? <laughs> One or the other, yeah. What is this in this basket? Taking pictures, send it yep. to you. Uh, well, now, so you, you had mentioned, um, you know, you have a little bit more say in that um, outstanding in the field of picking like chefs and, and mm-hmm. the brewers and the wineries and stuff. Um, Aaron has always, he's a big fan of the concept of what, what you guys did with the, the chef inspired Yeah, that's beers. my favorite beer. Well, because I, anyway. we always talk about it like, you know, you, you pair the beer with the food, right? The, bear, the beer is already prepared. The food is already prepared. What matches up best, right? But what, what was the chef inspired beer? So there, it's kind of a series. So there are a couple different beers that just said series and Siri oh, for my phone. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it <laughs> So yeah, robots uh, are taking. Yeah, I know. Today. It's weird. <laughs> um, so I, the first one I'm trying to remember, it was a Trace Leches cake inspired beer. Um, wow. After that, we went into. I cannot remember the chef. Is that Chris Bianco? Yes, it was. It was Bianco. Bianco, okay. Yeah. Um, that was the first one? That was the first one. Okay. That did not go in a package. It was just a draft offering. Okay. Um, the second one was with Jeff Krause from Crate Bar. That yes. was yeah. an excellent beer yeah. as well. And I think that's the one that you're talking about. How, it's still one of my... It's yeah. a, probably top three. Yeah, right. From Wilderness. Yeah, top it's three. fantastic. Um, then we did something with uh, Elote. And mm. then we are working on something with Pizza Clutta. Ooh, nice. So that's cool. Yeah, it'll become a series, and you know you're not going to see them very often. But when you do, we're hoping to kind of get people outside the box and what they can think about what with what beer is. So what is it exactly? So it, it's it's the beer based on. Yeah, and it, it's it's more of like an inspired by. So okay, um, I'll just use the the crepe bar inspired Please do. chef inspired <laughs> Please do. one for an example so you know we were inspired by one of his crepes so we brought him in we talked and kind of came up with this idea we'll do you know basically a belgian golden strong or you know a high abv belgian pale ale um pale as in color not the actual style and add a bunch of ingredients that were kind of inspired from this crepe so we added cacao nibs um we added jeff actually made a it's like a strawberry herb syrup reduction. Whoa. And it was funny. You're talking and we're like, Hey, can we, can we have some of this sauce that you put on top of these crepes? And he's like, yeah, how much do you need? <laughs> Probably thinking like, you know, 16 ounces, maybe a gallon, like, like two gallons. Could you get us five gallons? Of it? <laughs> <laughs> and like, you know, like kind of pause for a second. It's like, no, yeah, we'll definitely do that. We can yeah. make that work. But it was like, <laughs> I felt like a moment of panic, but then he just was like, absolutely. No, we'll do this. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was fun. I, 
you know, it, like I said, they're inspired. They're not, we're not trying to 100% emulate a crepe. Uh, so, yeah, that beer was fun. I had some strawberries in it, some basil. I think there was some cardamom in the actual uh, sauce that he prepared. Uh, we did cacao nibs, uh, a little vanilla bean. Yeah, and it kind of it, it became this beautiful, extremely complex yeah. beer. So where you, you, you taste it, and uh, even as it warmed up, you, you would be able to gather a lot more expression from the chocolate and the herbs that were in the sauce so yeah it was one of those beers that you try and you want to try again and again and again just to catch something else which are the beers I love making the ones that keep people engaged and interested and even challenge people um, to taste more yeah Yeah. which um, chef inspired was the one with the peppers that was the elote that yeah, was so really it was good too. Brown ale with good god. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, actually, because you had it had it on roughly around the same time the t- tiny wooden ships was on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I always thought they were very similar. I don't know if they actually were or not, but <laughs> the pepper genre is so underrated, or it's just not done enough. And and if it's not like some places do it really well, like we'll say like McFate Hetchley Gatos, I really love crushing oh, yeah. beer mm-hmm. all day. Uh, but then, like, some of the bigger brands who do it, like, just ruin it. You're, like, you're the ones that are ruining it for the people who don't know about it yet. You know? Yeah. I mean, one of the big differences is probably we get our peppers from local farmers, you know. <laughs> Eric's uh, shaking his head. Yeah, yep. And, yep. you know, <laughs> we'll get those peppers, um, and we'll either dehydrate them ourselves or cut them open and process them ourselves in a way that we want to, you know, put them into the beer with. So. Yeah. Um, we're getting fresh ingredients grown down the road that are, it's going to be different than the jalapeno concentrate you buy from XYZ yeah. liquid manufacturer. Carico. Yeah, Carico. Yeah. <laughs> Carico. Goddamn those guys. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think it, it plays a big part in why the beers are better. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And the peppers are... I'm really into spicy food in Arizona and Sonoran, you know, and dry. And I think peppers are like the quintessential Arizonan staple, personally. I mean, I know citrus is the Pretty biggest big. probably. But, yeah. but still, peppers is, it's peppers, right? Yeah. Arizona. Yeah. Exactly. It just makes sense. Right. Yeah. And we like to use peppers. I don't, we could probably use them more. Um, people get scared a lot of times when they find heat in beer especially it seems um but yeah we like to push the boundaries a little bit it's a nice surprise though sometimes like with that uh, i think it was the the hatch chili gatos from mcfate yeah. the first one that i had and it had that that kick at the end yeah but it was good like it wasn't like oh man and it wasn't like just super overwhelming it was like that's weird right yeah yeah Allie's like she's i always <laughs> try to explain to guests that you get like a lot more of the flavor from the peppers not the spiciness like it might hit you in the back of the throat a little bit but yeah. i mean you just get so like in the lote beer that we did you get yeah. so much flavor and it would not people are like is it spicy is it spicy i'm like no like it's very smooth but you just get that richness from the peppers and it yeah. was it it's was like really yeah right, yeah right? Yep. not every pepper is a ghost pepper yeah. and not no. every <laughs> pepper is going to melt your face right it shouldn't <laughs> right there yeah. are peppers that are very approachable and have a lot of flavor to them 
um, maybe a touch of heat, but yeah. and I think it comes down to intention, right? So if you are producing a beer with the intent to melt someone's face with it, like, okay. You can do that. Right, right you can do that. Um, sometimes subtlety is a lot nicer and you know, more approachable, obviously. Yeah. So yeah. just a, like a light heat, a light kind of, uh, I don't know, pepper spice at the end of a beer can be an added complexity. It's mostly an additional mouthfeel in a way, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, people like yeah. a big time on the mouthfeel. It's, it kind of, it's almost, I don't know if this is the right comparison, but like a, like a, like a PD whiskey, right? A really good whiskey that just kind of coats your mouth. You're like, wow. Okay. It burns a little bit, but you like it. Right. Like, all right, I'm going to do that again. Yeah. Let's do it again. Right. <laughs> um, so, all right. So you worked as a, you started here as a server, Allie, right? Uh, yeah. So I started off as a server and then worked my way into the bar. Yeah. Um, one of the things that drew me here, I guess, is the sustainable um, practices that we do, um, composting, uh, working with all the local farms. And so now what I really want to do is take on and like with the servers now and the bartenders is like educating the guests. Um, every time we buy something from here, eat something, they're not only supporting us, but they're supporting everyone that we um, work with, which is something you don't see a lot in a lot of restaurants, um, bars. I know places can do it on smaller scales, but as we're growing, you know, like he said, it's definitely a lot more expensive and it can be a little bit more, but it's so much worth it. You're, um, I think food is one of the biggest um, in carbon footprints with uh, transportation. So the fact that we're getting this um, down the street and being able to work with all these is not only helping those farms, but helping the carbon fo footprint as well, which is something, I mean, in my mind that I think is super huge um, and it's different than what you see um, and also makes the food and beer taste way better. Oh, <laughs> yes. What's well, that, that centerpiece, right, of, of craft beer? Again, I think in Arizona, and I, I'm not familiar with, uh, you know, the, any, anywhere else other than Arizona as far as craft beer, but just all the things that craft beer does. Um, and that's what we've uncovered from doing the things that we've done is like Sanagua malt, right? It's like, oh, cool. It's somebody that's growing malt in Arizona. So now there's a no local malt provider, but it's also providing uh, it's river conservation. So it's a much bigger yeah. picture, you know, same thing with the Arizona brew challenge, right? It was like, Hey, how can we get people to drink this water? That's going to save all of our lives. You know, we need it. Let's make it into beer. People are like, Oh shit. Yeah. I'll try it. You know, <laughs> yeah. but it's a, <laughs> it's a brilliant idea. Yeah, yeah. But it's a great, I mean, it's craft beer is just, it's so much bigger. And, and I probably annoy people that they're like, you know, well, you know, what do you do? And I kind of explain it. Like, oh, cool, you just drink beer for a living. I'm like, well, no, not, not quite. Um, and then I explained it, like, holy shit, I didn't realize that the, it was that big of a picture, yeah. you know? Um, so that's great that you guys embrace that, and, and you're kind of bridging that gap from what your thoughts are and what the thoughts are of the company to the guest. Yeah, Help I think them, that's like, oh, super wow. important. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people don't understand these concepts. They, you know, they don't eat local and all these things, and then you educate them more and more, and... Then they taste the food and they're like, you're right, it does taste so much better with this. And then they join, you know, CSA yeah. and get to use those products. Um, so I think it's super cool. It's always fun educating guests and kind of doing it in a different way um, than just, you know, talking about the basics of beer and food. Um, I think it, the yeah, the pairing it, yeah, aspect yeah. of it. Um, I think you get a better connection with people um, and you can really surprise people with what um, you tell them and educate them on they're like oh i had no idea so 
it's a cool concept. I love being very innovative. This company is very, very innovative. Yeah. And that's what drew me here. And I can't wait to see what else they do. <laughs> well, what else are you guys going to do? What's on the What's on the agenda, Jace? We're going to open this beer. Yeah. <laughs> I actually have a really cool story, sort of that it, well, it pertains to this beer. And one, I don't know how well. We'll see. We'll both see. We're all going to see how well this aged in the bottle and how well the seal kept. But um, in 2016, when I first had this beer, prior to having it, I went to Germany for three months, and so I did a bunch of uh, well. I did a bunch of drinking, but um, I also did a bunch of humanitarian <laughs> stuff out there and uh, with the Syrian refugee crisis. So that was really, really big. Um, but I remember like going into this uh, American brewery. Uh, it was called Vagabond Brewery in Berlin. And I mean, it was started by three American dudes, but they had a really small, like very, I mean, mo- like most places in Europe, very community driven. Um, like they had a couple little single single tables where you could sit but mostly there's just this ginormous centerpiece table where everyone sits you sit with strangers you sit with you know anybody from the neighborhood and anyone who's there and uh in their fridge they had a bottle of this beer that i made you try um oh the one at king's yeah when we went to king's um called ritter guts goza um it was a gold medal world i didn't know anything about that actually i just remember tasting it and being so profoundly like struck by like this is so good and i left and i was sad that i I never got to have that again until kings but um when i got back this was like this particular beer funky bayada bayada sure Um, (laughs) funky b funky b yeah funky b that's good um i just remember like drinking this and like getting to go back to germany you know with taste and uh that was like a unique connection so i bought three bottles I drank the first two, obviously, and then I've been sitting on this since. This is the last one. Yeah, this wow. is the very In last existence. Season. Yeah, it says uh, packaged on <laughs> December of 2016. So. Wow. I think I have one actually. At home. Oh. <laughs> so I will have the last one after today. Fair, fair. But I, I thought like, where, what better time to enjoy this beer than at Wilderness and with you guys? It's still carbonated. This oh, is good. Oh, oh yeah. Uh-oh. Look at that. Like, that's a good looking. What is that called? Is there a name for that? Um, smoke the yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, just like the carbonation yeah. gas. Yeah, that's pretty cool. The color though. Yeah, this was a, a fun one to be a part of. Um, I cannot take full credit for everything about this beer, but um, this was a beer that was in barrels when I arrived, and we got to a point where we felt some of the. The barrels have progressed to a point where we would take them out and blend them. So we blended two kind of sour reds that were two plus years old and then some younger golden brett barrels together. And this became Funky Biota. And it it was crazy to see just the progression of this beer uh, in bottles. It went through a very, very awkward stage. (laughs) Um, teenage years yeah <laughs> it was to the point where like what did we do <laughs> like, what did we make right. um, it kind of tastes like uh, gardettos what are gardettos like the Sounds rye like you know like rye chips rye chips uh, it went through this phase where it was just like this rye dried processed oh. chip character oh man you can't smell that but yeah it, it it rounded out I'd say extremely yeah nicely. this is the two year tequila barrel 
one. That's I remember just that being a thing and being like, oh my god. <laughs> I, I love the name, the Old Growth Forest series too. Pretty. What's the ABV on this by taste, Chase? Um, <laughs> I'd say a uh, 6.1. It's probably changed now. So 6%? Ah, you were off. That's also like two years ago. Yeah. Right. So I'm right now. That is true. That yeah. is true. Yes. Isn't there a stick we can put in there? My, my knowledge is very low. <laughs> no, <laughs> Just drop a stick. It's like a tester. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's get that. Let's taste this. I love the smell. Like it has a, it has a wine smell to it. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, my off on that? The white wine? That's so good. Not at all. It's a nice kind of aged top component to it. Um, by no means do I think this is close to like lambic or goose, but uh, it's kind of reminiscent of that style in a way. Mm. Yeah, it's very yummy. Mm-hmm. I'm very happy with it. <laughs> How is it compared to what uh, the first two bottles you drank? Comparable. But yeah, it seems to, I have to think about it a little bit because it's been a little bit since I got to drink it. But it feels a little more fuller bodied it'd be like it kind of rounded a corner maybe yeah i think so too as these i mean we don't pasteurize or filter any of our products here um so you know the cultures that are in this bottle will continue to work on the beer while it's sitting there and aging and i think this one has kind of melded together and become you know a little bit more um elegant Mm -hmm. uh, than it was before it still has a lot of the bright brightness and kind of a patang <laughs> sound effects yeah. Yeah. <laughs> from comic books. Patang. It is good. That's a good yeah. descriptor. You yeah, need to write you your know. own beer tasting book with like I'm, phrases I'm like that. Yeah. Well, I I, uh, I guess I want to plug myself. Uh, I started a new Instagram called Brett Critic. Oh, that's right. Um, and you know, I sometimes like I haven't posted more than one thing on there but uh i've been like kind of saving it because i'm like waiting for the right beers to kind of come at me and 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 critique them but also just i really enjoy sours so is it an instagram just for sour beer reviews makes sense you're welcome to send me all the sours you guys want (laughs) (laughs) whoever's listening to this he'll be fair he'll be fair fair. (laughs) and i'm pretty good at and uh, picking up on stuff in sours. I don't know. I just well, had I a, we'll see. I just had a, counsel, we'll a council's um, some dried mango one that they had, and it was like ten percent, which was unusually like crazy. But it was like a bourbon barrel aged dried mangoes, and I picked up immediately when I started drinking. I didn't even get to read the label because I was at a bottle share this past weekend, which was really fun. Um, but I remember like drinking it, and it had that same smell that you like from uh dried i always get dried apricots from like trader joe's and like munch on them and uh it had that same kind of texture smell in the nose which is from the i think the drying process it it has like a powder coat or i don't know what that is but like it's like a very specific specific texture he's looking to these guys for an answer i I got nothing no (laughs) it's just like dried fruit smells and tastes very peculiarly different than Mm-hmm. You know, wet fruit. Like yeah, absolutely. This has, um, that had the kind of immediately the nose of the dried mangoes. And I was like, oh, this has dried fruit in it. And they're like, yep. I was like, oh, I didn't cool. actually know. <laughs> you've got the skill then. You've got the skill. Yes. And you've got the, uh, you've got the account now too, literally. The Instagram account. One at Brett Critic. Combine. <laughs> yes. 
There's no fruit in this one particular. Oh, cheers. Absolutely. Cheers, gentlemen. Yeah. It's great having you guys in. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having us. Talk about Allie, stop sniffing your beer. <laughs> Sorry, it smells so good. I know it does. I'm trying so to good. figure out what it is. It's got the, the I good just hit, funk. yeah. I, I smell really biota. Good. Is there biota in this? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think there's It's biota. Uh, one third biota. One third biota. <laughs> Two thirds funky. funky. All right, all right. It's a good ratio. That's, That's the secret blend. That is the secret blend. Mature slash young sourdough. So, uh, what are you guys working on? Like, what's on the horizon for with the wilderness? Um, so obviously the Sanagua malt project yep. is probably the biggest thing we could talk about right now. Um, all the beers we have in tanks are, are great, but, uh, the, the Sanago malt project in general is about to get up and running. Uh, we are probably weeks away from actually having Arizona, Arizona grown and malted barley. Like available. Like it's going to be like they've yeah. grown it. Um, it. yeah, the malting facility is has either been completed and they're waiting for final permits or um, is kind of being completed currently. So yeah, that's like the most exciting thing that we've probably done almost as a company. That's awesome. You know, to kind of help and spearhead this um, project up north that not only provides brewers in Arizona with a locally grown and malted product that we can use um, and help support uh, farms and agriculture in the Verde Valley, but also contributes to river sustainability in the Verde River. And yeah, it's just kind of mind blowing when you look at all of the different aspects. It's like, yeah, we're using barley that's grown in Arizona. Okay, but that's providing um, a higher river flow to the Verde River, which then attracts wildlife and it's just like this very sustainable um well, it affects project. Every, every human being in yeah it affects phoenix. every human in phoenix it, it's pretty crazy yeah. um so we're excited that's going to be coming online very very soon so keep your eyes out and keep your eyes open um there's a base you'll see right? yeah right exactly we did a test batch with it last year uh, you guys might remember a beer we did called Connection Saison. We actually did it with all of this barley. Uh, it was grown in Arizona, but was malted outside of the state. It was just kind of like, can we actually make this work? Uh, so we brewed Connection Saison with that and actually used Arizona-grown hops in that as well. So I would keep a lookout for, we're going to brew Connection Saison again uh, when this barley becomes available. We had a, we had that one beer that uh, Sava. I feel bad that he, I don't remember his name. Um, uh, Chip. Yeah, but Chip's buddy, the home brewer, dude. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> something. Uh, something, yeah. They, they, they <laughs> made for a the beer, beer that was 100% yeah. Arizona, <laughs> yeah. which is really cool to be able to just drink it. There's like a hops uh, boutique hops grower or something in the Verde Valley that was doing it. Yeah, River Gulch Brewing or something, I think is what. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. But anyways, this beer were really good if you're listening. It was we were talking about something you. ditch. Actually. Something ditch, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, what's going on at uh, uh, Steadfast? I know that you. I just saw something about a new location. Yeah, we're uh, actually we just finished up a five-day workshop, like kind of a masterclass workshop for farmers, and we had twenty-seven farmers from all over North America, so U.S. and Canada, that came out for five days and. Uh, we spent on the farm just kind of hands-on kind of helping kind of step up their game and different techniques that we're doing and so that was pretty awesome taught that with a, a buddy of mine out of Kelowna British Columbia 
Um, and so that was a lot of fun. So we just did that last week. So that was, uh, that was a big thing for us. And then uh, a few weeks before that, we announced that we're, we're going to be expanding and opening a second location uh, in Mesa, uh, just down the road from where we're at, uh, at the Eastmark community, which is a, a master plan giant community. I think it's going to be 15,000 dwellings when it's all built out. Um, so it's the old GM, General Motors Proving Grounds. And so uh, they've been in development for, I think, five years. And I think there are about 5,000 homes into it now. But yeah, they reached out to us. We've been working on this deal for about two years now. So it's been a long time coming and just working out all the right things and working with this developer to, to bring a farm to this community. And so we're super pumped to be building this kind of urban farm in this in kind of their city center. Cause I mean, it's gonna be a small city or, you know, it's gonna be 50,000 people probably all built out, which is pretty crazy. So yeah, so we're gonna be, uh, building that farm this summer, which is uh, exciting and also daunting, you know, to <laughs> add one more project, you know, not listening to my cap your dreams. Uh, but uh, no, no, we're super, we're super excited. And the community has been super uh, welcoming and, you know, and, and so we're, uh, yeah, we're pumped. So it'll be, it'll be good. And um, this will be my one, two, three, fourth location. So I'm getting good at building new farms and that and so this will be you know another cut on how can we maximize what we do and have a super efficient kind of growing uh space you know to provide as much possible food as as we can grow so yeah we're super pumped that's awesome yeah very cool well guys thanks for joining us this has been great absolutely yes yeah. thanks for having us website uh what's your guys website uh, for Steadfast, it's uh, steadfast-farm.com. Yeah. Uh, but we do a lot on social media, so Steadfast Farm on, on Instagram, yeah. Yeah. Facebook, Twitter. The usual, yeah, so. If you're listening to this, you probably know how to find it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. just <laughs> Google Steadfast Farm, Farm yeah. Singular, uh, and you'll find us. Um, but yeah. You Will you change it to farms here? Probably, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I just, funny. Anyone that, I just bought it at GoDaddy. So if you Perfect. want it, you know. It's <laughs> <laughs> no, like when we named the farm, uh, we asked everybody, because there's like this whole thing, like farm versus farms. And what is, because there's not really a, a real rule. It doesn't mean you have multiple locations necessarily. It's what we talked to all these old farmers. They're like, yeah, whatever sounds better. So we asked like all of our friends and family, farm, farms. And they all said farm, like unanimous. Yeah. And... So we're like, okay, that's what we're with. But now I swear, like for the most part, nobody can say farm. Everything ends up on articles and menus as steadfast farms. So yeah. maybe I should just like, okay, fine, you guys win. But it's so frustrating. When I like farm. Farm? It's I more like, farm like too, I don't yeah. know, it's bolder. What does it say up on the board? I hope it says, I hope yeah. it says farm. Oh, it says farms. It does say farms. <laughs> there we go. We will, we'll erase that uh, right after this. Amazing. Awesome. We don't even, yeah, we're just accepted that, you know. It actually looks like the S was added after. Oh, like it's yeah. different, like. That's the, the start of the next line. Yeah. Okay, yes. <laughs> yes. Sottenberg, goats. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. No. Sogenberg. <laughs> no, That's we've given hilarious. up. You're going to have to put an S at the end of your <laughs> yes, hat Yes, I know. We're just changing everything. Yeah. Just Sharpies. <laughs> Sharpies. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and Chase, uh, ArizonaWilderness.com. Yeah, website, azwbeer.com. 
Okay.com. not even close, was it? <laughs> <laughs> it's like Arizona Wilderness Brewing Company is actually a very, very long thing to that type. Is, yeah. Super, yeah. So, um, yeah, azwbeer.com, AZ Wilderness Instagram, if you would like to follow or follow the uh, the trials and tribulations of John and Pat, be the Wilderness Humans on Instagram, um, Facebook page, Arizona Wilderness Brewing. I think that covers. I think there's a Twitter account somewhere. somewhere. Maybe. Oh, really? I don't know. I didn't yeah. know. I don't do Twitter. I thought Twitter got canceled. Yeah. Like, like, but um, after season eight or whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like a bad sitcom. <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do a, a plea to Pat and John at this point that we want to do an episode with those guys. We've talked about it. We want to get. We, I know they're hard to pin down. But what? But uh, we're, we'll go anywhere. We'll you gotta hike. Yeah, you gotta find we'll, them in the wild. We will do we that. We will. We'll just Let's be those totally random guys they run into on the trail that yeah. have like all this equipment and shit. <laughs> we're battery operated. We don't even need electric. You guys run off one I came of with the GoPro. <laughs> That's how you do it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, all right. Well, I'm gonna follow them and um, hopefully they post stuff live as to where they're at. Sometimes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, guys, thanks so much. This has been great. Appreciate it. Thank Absolutely. You. Yeah, that was yeah. fun. Cheers. Follow us at tapthataz.com and arizonafoodandbeer.com and azfoodandbeer at Instagram, right? Sure. Tap that AZ podcast on Instagram. We do Facebook too, but just Google us or just look at the show notes. Yeah. Stay awesome. Esa nena ni